So you judge your success by the amount of ill will you generate from those around you. Hey, if niggas ain't mad at you, then you doing something wrong. By that definition, then, you have a very bright future. Thanks, man. Hey y'all, it's season two, episode seven of The Boondocks. This is The Boondocks Podcast. Today we're talking about shining. Um, here's your HBO synopsis. Riley finally gets a platinum and diamond chain only to have it snatched by a bully. But Riley will stop at nothing to recover his chain and rep. But before that, how y'all living? Hi. Hey, hey. Doing well. Doing well. How's your um, head? This MJ? episode's hilarious. Uh, you know, I'm I'm doing okay. Thanks to that wonderful flower yep. that has so much power. <laughs> yep. Um, but I, if I do start babbling, just everybody remember, I, it's it, it's four days of everything coming back. Um, and I can't tell you how many Trulies I drank yesterday. <laughs> I also, they uh, go happy down birthday to the hubby. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday to the hubby. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now, if you guys think I'm bad, you should see him right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's relaxing. He's relaxing. So, yeah. So, uh, I'm here, guys. I don't know if I was going to make it. So, uh, how's everybody's week been? Good. <sighs> yeah. Chill on my end. Yeah. I mean, I finally uh, got my. Um, Downsizing of my job. I don't know how you how you would say this. I I told my boss this is what I am willing to continue doing, and she said, "Cool." So now I now that I've got it approved, I uh, just have to send the paperwork into the district, and um, then I am officially a part time teacher instead of full time, which will be good for my mental health. Already has been, um, but yeah, that's that's pretty that's much good. the only thing in my personal life. I mean, the news has People, been full you say of that? That's stuff. taking action. That's taking action. Yeah. Putting herself yeah. first. And that's awesome. So congratulations. Thank you. Taking care of my own personal mental health is not a easy thing for me to do. Um, like I've seen a therapist for years, but this was having four people die in 18 months that uh, were close to me was a big eye opener to how much, well, especially the fourth one being, um, most likely a suicide or at least uh an accident that was that was not prevented by this person um Mm -hmm. it really kind of made me look at how i was feeling in a different like actually seeing that i was not in a good place really really not in a good place and that i needed to do something about that um so I hate that it took what it took, but I was um, I was not helping myself for a while there. And now well, I, I give it to you. 
because we will tend to just kind of go with the flow mm-hmm. and go with every day and push those, you know, feelings just down. And that just, we know that's not good. So, um, I, you know, I commend you because then I'm sure that your friends, you know, they're around you and their spirit. They're like, all right, she's doing good. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and, so. and just, I'm saying that, that it's, uh, when people pass or when something like that happens, they really want to know that it's touching people's lives in maybe a way that they can help them. Um, yeah. You know, I, you know, I, oh, I, yeah. I believe that. So yeah, that's good. I'm snaps to you. All kinds of snaps. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That, yeah. It's, it's been a hard year for a lot of people, year and a half for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, I'm definitely the kind of person that tries to help other people and their mental health. And that's what I have been focusing on for so long that, like, I mean, my therapist has been asking me to slow down, quote unquote, since Grace died. And, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't hear that until this last one. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Well, it's just little steps. But that's, I mean, <laughs> it's definitely been, it's 2021 is not going, hey, I'm about to slow up. It's so much easier for you guys. Mm-hmm. We see everything that's happening, but you did have a victory of, of some sort yes. this past week. Yeah, along yeah, with so. you know, there was good and bad that happened this week. Like we had the sh- the Chauvin trial verdict, which yes. And let's be honest, nobody in the black community thought that it was going to happen this way. But and that's why all of us were crying after, pretty much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, watching it live and seeing his face was oh my god, so someone turned it into a so record scratch gif, and yeah. it was the best fucking thing because you could see in his I eyes, know. oh, I'm going to get away. What? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, his, I've never seen people's eyes dart, you know, <laughs> anybody's eyes dart back and forth so fast. Like he was, his, he was trying to process it. Like mm-hmm. he was like, no, nah. but his brain was like, nah, no, it, it happened. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Lindsay, I feel like we yeah. ca- we called it on this pod, though. I mean, at least yeah, I said yeah. it that he would be yeah. found guilty. He'll serve some Token. of that sentence, y'all, but mm, the bullshit continues. And then yeah. I don't, I know we don't want to be too sad, but like, look at all of the shootings and deaths of black children that happened in on that day uh-huh. and the days that followed. It just keeps going. At the same time that the verdict was being read, a 16-year-old girl who called the police to get help was shot mm-hmm. by a police officer. And that's... That's America. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, but, you know... I didn't know that she, I didn't know that she called. Yeah. The, so the people that, sh- that everyone is saying, oh, she was fighting these people with a knife, they came to bully her. They had been bullying her, and they came to her foster home um, and essentially attacked her outside her foster home. And, uh, and she called the police asking for help because she was afraid they were going to hurt her. She got a knife well, to defend herself. Knife. Yes. Oh. And yeah. from what I know of it, and I could be wrong because there's been so much misinformation around her. Right. Um, I want to say her name is... Makia, I might be wrong though, but yeah, like the, those people were adults who were attacking her yep. and they were former foster kids of the people she was staying with. Mm-hmm. So like, this is kind of like she's in an environment where the people who should be protecting her are protecting the people bullying her. Yep. So, so crazy. Makia Bryant. Yeah. 
And not only that, the cops after shooting her, like there's there's video recordings of them shouting Blue Lives Matter uh-huh. to the kids that were crying over this girl's death. And like you can't fucking reform that. Come on. That's there's, there's no reform. Video there. of them saying blue lives yelling. Yeah. 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 Yep. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my god. Yeah, I've kind of just no, I don't I removed me. myself from that. <laughs> so I didn't know. Wow. I I actually have spent a lot less time on Twitter recently because there's been so much. And I just, I can't watch another black body getting killed. And it's over and over again. Every single day, there's somebody sharing a video of some black person getting killed by some person of authority. And, yeah. you know, I I try to avoid most of it, honestly, because I do enjoy knowing what's happening in the world. Um, and I can't trust the news for that. So I look to like independent journalism, usually through Twitter. And so it's, it's a different kind of trauma when you are a black person watching black people getting killed every single day with no accountability. Yeah. 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 And the people who are doing it, don't give a shit. And the people who are in charge of the people doing it don't give a shit. And the country that's supposed to, you know, be for everybody and, and, you know, help everybody mostly doesn't give a shit. Um, and it's like what Lindsay was saying, like Derek Chauvin, I am so grateful that he was found guilty, but I also feel like it was a coordinated effort to make sure Here's our bad apple. Look at what we're doing. We're getting rid of well, our bad apple. Because there any time that there's a use of force thing, you don't have cops lining up to to um to uh testify against the bad cop. You don't. It's a that that quote unquote blue wall of silence. It was broken mm-hmm. this time only because the people in charge were like, okay, he went too far and he was videotaped. You know, like yeah. if there wasn't a videotape. I think if I remember right, the initial stuff that came out when George Floyd was killed was that it was a, um, that they were, uh, that they had a medical incident or something like that. And that caused his death and they tried to get away with that. And that's why that teenage girl with the camera who had videotaped the whole thing came forward. Like she was, she was like, "Mm, no, you, you're not going to fucking lie here. I've got proof that for like 10 fucking minutes, you knew you were killing this man. My whole thing is, I it, we definitely know that it is a victory. I am with Lindsay. I do think that he's probably not going to do as much time as he should, but hopefully, this is the catalyst to holding these freaking murderer police officers and and other people that are, you know, in power that are choosing to do this. Hopefully, this is the catalyst where we start holding them accountable, and the next person you know, that's found guilty, gets the appropriate amount of time and it goes on from there. So that's the hopes that I'm going to hold. And I don't know when the sentencing happens. If it's like a month away or something like that. Is, two weeks. Yeah. But yeah, I'll be watching that as well. I would like to see another reaction. Um, but with the victory, like on, on the other side of this week, the other big news stories that this week that actually, you know, matter to us. Um, DMX's funeral was yesterday and they brought his casket out on a monster truck and there were thousands of bike riders going down the street and it was oh, fucking wow. beautiful. It was beautiful. I will, I will say that it was, 
it's kind of it made me chuckle when when his cask came out on a monster truck, but it was so DMX. <laughs> I, I mean, right? Like, it, I I feel like that monster truck was like his booming voice mm. that we would have normally heard. You know, um, that's yeah, that just gave me chills. Um, I didn't watch a like lot a of it, but I saw quite a few pictures from people who were there, and then overhead pictures of the, like the whole thing spread out. Yeah, well, that's that sounds like a proper homegoing. And then, unfortunately, we did lose yep. Black Rob and Shock G. And Shock G, yep. Um, 57 and 53 years old. Like, I, and then DMX was 50. Like, and, I mean, <sighs> do we yeah. know, we know how DMX died. Do we know yet about the other two? Because, like, I'm going to say this Black as someone Rob married to a- someone who's 52. Hearing that <laughs> shit. Scares the shit out of me. The, the, I know that yeah. the thing uh, I just read about because I was trying to find out if they figured out anything about Shock G. They're going, they're mm-hmm. they're requesting an autopsy because there's some sketchy things that oh, from what they're really? saying that it, oh, yeah. that uh, it goes, has gone on with them. So his family is requesting an autopsy. I do know that. Well, I mean, just finding him unresponsive in his hotel room at 57 for no other, you know what I'm saying? Like that 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 rose, you know, flags to me when I heard that, but. Black Rob had um, kidney failure. Yeah, he oh. had a lot of multiple, multiple that health That was issues. what I was yeah. trying to figure out. Okay. He had to go to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Like the last video that he put out, it was very sad. Like he, it, it was like he was saying, yeah, he was saying, he was sad about that, but he, he you knew. could tell he was ready to go. He was, oh yeah, he was ready. You could, and he was, he was tired. And he said that. He goes, I'm tired, y'all. I'm not doing well. Um, so, unfortunately, you know, that's, that you know, with some Black Rob had one song, but still, I mean, that is that's a fire. That's always yeah. that. That's anybody who contributes right to art, in my opinion, is amazing for what they do. Like, yeah. I wish that I could sit down and actually create the things that my brain wants me to be able to do, but I don't have the ability to get it from you know my head down on whatever form of whatever. Is. I mean, you, he created an alt, uh, uh, you know. Uh, what is not what is what? his alter ego that he played mm-hmm. in the same like video? You know what I'm saying? Like in the same together. Um, it was so funny. I remember people being like, "No, they're 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 different people," and I'm like, "It it's a nose, guys." <laughs> like, come on, yeah. But you know, R.I.P. to him. Um, sex packets was man, just a good old part of my youth, um, and you know. Digital Underground, mm. shout out to him. And he created, you know, he was also a producer and had other you know, other hits and things. But He got Tupac onto the scene. Oh, well, of course. I mean, that's a big, yeah, yeah. The Humpty Dance. The Humpty, the Humpty Dance is my childhood. <laughs> I didn't uh, know yeah. what getting busy in a Burger King bathroom was the first time I heard that song, but it sounded <laughs> fun. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to. I was like, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, so RFP to them and who we've who we've lost unfortunately this year. Like I said, twenty twenty one's like, oh y'all thought twenty twenty was bad. Here I am. Yeah. So yeah. On that but, note. <laughs> yeah. But I would say, but then you have the, you know, you have uh, something like the Boondocks and an episode where this is Riley centric, which is hilarious. Those are one of the, you know, the small pleasures that we have in this yeah. crazy, crazy thing we call life. So yeah, this episode, yeah, (laughs) this episode, this this episode like made me laugh, like just 
laughed from the gut. Good, good chuckles. Um, right. Let's yeah. So let's start off with the beginning of the episode is like an MTV Cribs episode, and Thugnificent showing off all his all of his shit. <laughs> um, everything's a statue or made in like dipped in gold or you know basically telling everybody. Y'all going to hate me after this because I'm going to show you all of this shit that I've got that you want and you're never going to have or yeah, whatever. Greatest thing ever. Yeah. Um, he was just like, everything was hate, 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 yep. hate me more, hate me more. Yeah. Like that, that's yeah. his whole goal. He wants people to hate him. He wants them to love him, but hate him. And well, you always need haters. Mm-hmm. Like Cat Williams says, you should always have haters. <laughs> well, and that's, that's mm-hmm. basically Riley's whole idea. If you got haters, you're, you're doing something well. Right. Um, Speaking of Riley, one of my favorite things in this episode was during all of those, uh, all of the cutscenes in the cribs was Riley, like Riley's head, like sticking up from the back or walking by slowly looking into the camera. Like, oh, it's so fucking great. At the end, he's posing in front, mm-hmm. you know, as Arms you know, crossed. As the yeah, that, that was everything. But that was such a great representation of what Cribs was too. Mm. And then to come to find out that that shit was fake, that most of those people had rented those houses or, you know, the cars weren't theirs and shit like that. Well, and but, yeah. This episode gets into that too. Cause like, as soon as mm-hmm. the cameras were gone, he's like the doorbell girl can go. I'm not going to pay her time and a half. Turn off the, the water for the water slides. We don't need to pay for that right now. Like that's yeah. I want a doorbell. Uh, somebody ding. Going, ding. Dumb. Dumb. I just want it. I want it. I want it. Yeah. That, that was four bells. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so after, uh, let's see. So they're all sitting outside watching videos. Riley wants to become a member of the Lethal Interjection crew. Um, the something funny that I loved in that scene there was when he went to check his watch and all of the sunshine just reflected off of all of the ice in it and he had to, the guy had to put on his sunglasses to see what time it was and it just cracked me up just he's right before that saying you know no no turn off that I don't want to pay for that but he's got this super expensive fucking watch it's completely unusable because if he's outside he can't fucking see anything <laughs> of course that's what you do you gotta shine you, and nobody sees your you know your um your backyard freaking water slide, but everybody's going to see, mm-hmm. you know, that, that to me, that shit is ridiculous. I don't even like to wear a regular watch just on the regular, like every day. I'm definitely <laughs> not going to put a house <laughs> right? on my wrist. <laughs> like and 10 then, people's college educations right there. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah not going to do it. But, um, I, I, what I find funny about that scene too, is how all the guys are like, you know, chiming in about what they would do. You know, you gotta, you gotta want to, you know, sell. You got basically like you gotta live the gangster life. Mm-hmm. And I want to be like, I'll get a job at Wendy's. And you know, the one sensible way that shit was hilarious. Like that, I tears coming out of my eyes because he was serious. He was like, I'll flip some burgers and make some Wendy's fries. And everybody was like, <laughs> <With> the <"What?"> ketchup. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and like right, right before that, um, what was it? Magnificent was like, what are we at Kinko's? Or we might as well work at Kinko's. And the girl comes out and she's like, my boyfriend's got to get back to his job at Kinko's. So I'm leaving. Bye. 
And I mean, I didn't select that as a clip, but I think that is actually indicative of what everything in this episode is about, right? So when he starts talking about, I would actually work at Burger King, you know, flipping burgers and this and that, they're all like, what are you talking about? Whereas he's talking about, I would actually do work to support this crew yes. and they're yes. outraged yeah. by it. But this yeah. whole episode is about the fakeness of flexing. Yes. Like the relationships are fake, the jewelry is fake, et cetera, et cetera. So we get to the first agree. Uh, ag- Agreeability test, is that what it's called? Um, to make sure Riley really wants to be, really likes his music. Let's just go to the initiation. The first test is the agreeability test. Before you are a member of the team, we have to make sure you share my thugnificent taste and sensibilities. Oh shit, nigga, that motherfucker banging right there. You hear that bass line? Yo, it's blazing, son. That shit is incredible, kid. I mean, it's high, high, but you know me, I would just turn up the bass a little higher in the mind. <laughs> fuck you, hating ass, nigga. Don't nobody give a fuck with your dumb ass thing. Give me this motherfucker. Get your ass up out of here, yo, hook ass nigga. Hook <laughs> ass, pussy up, ass nigga. Burn the fuck up, up out of here with that bullshit. <laughs> I just... <laughs> like, I love how earnestly he's like oh i'll tell you how to make it better yeah that that sounds like what i want to do and the rest of them are like what the fuck you don't tell yeah. him something like that yeah. yeah like what it could have really sounded just like you know you throwing trash into a fucking tin trash can and they would have been like fire mm-hmm. but he was really trying to help out but he didn't want to hear that like didn't want to hear that he's so um egotistical that you block your blessings you know in a way yeah um and yeah that but then how easy it was for riley to pass it oh right basically he told them what to say and i mean the name of the test though was called the agreeability Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's obvious like they're really riffing on like crews and you know organizations uh, people who get down together fraternities sororities all that kind of stuff any group company culture you Mm -hmm. have to be uh, willing to go along with the bullshit to be down with the crew and even some friendships like that's basically what they're getting at here that's it yeah yeah it was so fun because he was just like you passed yep like you Mm -hmm. You know that but yep that is a uh a good narrative on if you look at just society you know and just like you said any anybody belonging to something you know that's that's oh you're down you like me you like that too it's similar to when girls don't like somebody in high school. So my friends mm-hmm. can't like you because yep. I don't like you type of thing, you know? So it's right there. Oh, yeah. that starts in elementary school. I can't oh, play yes. with you because um, Samantha says that you kissed Brian when Samantha likes Brian. So, <laughs> <laughs> so much drama. God <laughs> right? damn. We were so, kids are assholes. <laughs> we were just yep. assholes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so the second test is um, is the test of courage, where Riley has to ghost ride Thugnificent's SUV down the street, uh, which he does, and he does pretty good. But mm-hmm. you know, as what happens when you're ghost riding, nobody is driving the car, and it rolls into a tree and throws Riley off. But he's okay. Yeah, do it again. Right. These grown ass men like cheering him on and like, oh God, did he die? No, he didn't die. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But once again, conversation, 
because that's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, people will put their lot, do something really dumb. And yeah, it, it kind of becomes a, what did you say, man? I was with a 23 year old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the kid who got shot in Chicago. Why was a 13 year old hanging out with a 23 year old? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like that type of shit right there. Be, trying to be down and, and doing what's cool and whatnot like that. But like, damn, he, you're a grown ass man. You, that, why are you putting a, thir- that's a child. Why are you putting a child into danger? There's nothing that you and a 13 year old have in common. Mm-hmm. And if so, there, there's a problem. Okay. Step up your game in, in life. But yeah. Right. I can, Same like, kind of I can totally understand enjoying the kind of worship of an eight year old thinking that you're like the coolest thing in the world. But don't then put him old. through, yes. <laughs> like, don't, don't then, you know, have him get, get into a car accident and then later in the, you know, the next scene, procure some hose for them, um, oh. which was the test of intelligence. He was so good at it. Oh man, he was, so good at it. he was good too. Just went to MySpace and like, <laughs> I didn't even know how to use MySpace that way when I was my age. So. <laughs> Can you get 10, a hundred thousand or something yeah. like that? He said, no, it's like. But I'm like, Riley already got that, that, that hand is strong. He already pulling them. But no, that um, that also was like the beginning, of course, as we know of people chasing for clout mm-hmm. through social media. And that's what that was. I can't tell you how many times I saw girls at parties. I was like, how in the hell did you get into there? But then I see that she followed the, the party promoter or something like that. So same type of thing. This time it was just an eight-year-old who wrangled you guys brought you on over yeah uh yeah and they but once again this is the same these are same people that congratulated huey for reading right right so, man that's cool man that's that's pretty cool you, you read with all them words yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we can't expect of course they put you know an eight-year-old on top of a car and thought that was cool they think it's congratulations that you can read yeah so yeah yeah um yeah so after the party starts. Um, hold on one sec. Okay. So after the party starts and there's all these women in the pool um, who are... Uh, hold on. It's, it, uh, so I think it's echoing back through Lindsay's. Well, Keep that's, talking. That's what was happening before. Do you, I, I don't know if I, anyone else can hear it. No, I, uh, I don't hear it. I hear it, but I turn my input all the way down and I still hear you, if that makes sense. So That's my weird. Sorry, I just got distracted by my own voice and I'm like, I don't know what I was saying. I need to ex- address this. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, um, all right. For me, it sounds great. I don't hear it. Okay. But. I don't know. Yeah, it's still there a little bit. That's okay. Um, so yeah, after the uh, all of the ladies show up at the party, and there's all these women in bikinis hanging around, and um, I love uh, one of the guys, and I, I don't know who's who of the crew, but the one with Snoop Dogg's voice was like trying to holla at the <laughs> third girl who was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, and he called her a bucket mouth hoe, which I had to look up because I, I was like, that's too specific. Um, as a girl who doesn't know how to <laughs> shut up or know when to shut up. Uh, <laughs> So I thought that was great. I didn't know that. Thank you. Like, I, like, I, I, I am, I've learned a lot. Like Bucket Mouth is, um, was, uh, Bucket Mouth Ho was the girl who couldn't, didn't know when to shut up. Uh, bu- bucket Naked, which is just like 
buck naked, but they changed it to bucket. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. And then bitch made, which is either um, being called a coward or someone who depends on others, like a man whose woman is more powerful than him, and he just kind of follows along on her on her tails. So the, those were three uh, Urban Dictionary lookups I decided I had to do today. <laughs> and they all came from the scene. I need much more insight on these things. Yeah, so uh, so anyway, right, uh, they tell Riley to come back the next day to get his his chain. Um, and you know, he goes home and he's so excited about it and he's telling Huey all about it. And Huey is just like, whatever. Uh, which is where our quote from the, the very open came from, where he was like, you want people to hate you. Okay, that's the whole point for all of this. All right, cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, Miley's like, I- I appreciate it. You noticed my shine. Right? <laughs> and Yui's just like, I wasn't actually complimenting you, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so then the next day, Thugnificent holds a ceremony underneath that glorious painting of, 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 of the thug angels, <laughs> of, like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and Tupac and Biggie and, and him, you know, at the center mm-hmm. of it all. <laughs> of course. Of course. Of course. Um, at the same level. You know. Oh, yeah, totally. Right yeah, there. Yeah. Same level. Um, Riley gets his chain. Super, super excited. Like, he thinks this is the best thing in the world. Um, And then, like, basically, the next scene is a montage of Riley walking down the street showing off his bling um, until he walks into a fist, which happens to be the neighborhood bully who everyone hates. Everyone. And... I almost wanted to get a clip of like the adults just talking about how fucking terrible this kid was. I thought about it, like, especially the old woman who's like, worst kid I have ever mm-hmm. met ever. in yeah. my long fucking goddamn life. <laughs> and he's, he's, he's an ass. Yeah. Like, he, you know, I, I don't know why I picture his dad looking like this from, um, yes. yes. I don't know why. That actually makes complete sense because his dad's totally like not doing anything about it. I think so. We see his mom, I think, in the Maury Povich look clip where he beats up the the like the, the oh. camp guard um, for the bad kids camp that they were trying to get him yeah. to go to. Um, that dude was so annoying with his little ass sweater vest that he would wear <laughs> with no shirt. Oh, he was so annoying. I totally remember that though. Um, so yeah, in in that I don't like in that little quick scene. You see a woman mm-hmm. crying next to him in the chair, and that's all we see of her. And we don't ever see anyone who we think might be dad, but a little later, like, we find out that his dad helped him go check out to see how much the bling cost, mm-hmm. like, how much it was mm-hmm. worth. So we know that Which he didn't, like, punish his kid for doesn't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, biff, see? Totally biff. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody hates this kid. Like, uh, Riley comes to, he knows exactly who this kid is. Butch Mangus Milosevic, which the last name just kills me. Like that. What was uh, Slobodan Milosevic? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So Riley gets home, um, tells granddad that, you know, he was he was jumped by the bully uh, who took his chain. And granddad, just being the terrible role model that he is, tells Riley that he should go and stand up for it, but he does it by telling a story that was actually a scene in Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> this is awesome. 
which I remember the first time watching this video, I was like, isn't this? And then they were, they showed the guy and I'm like, okay, it is Friday. Okay. I get it. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> finally that's got what said. yeah that's what Hubby said. We were driving home and I was watching it and he was listening, you know, to the stereo. And he's like, immediately he's like, that's Friday. Yeah. <laughs> he knew right away. Right away. Uh, but that's cool that they would, you know, allow, you know, that kind of like nod to what we all know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, they do that. They, there's quite a few things that are like little tiny Easter eggs to Friday. What? Oh, yeah. For, well, that too. That's but like true. Friday in particular, like Granddad watches Friday on on uh, the Cars video when in the <laughs> in the plan, in Huey's plan to break out the guy from Death Row and talks about having watched Friday over and over again a lot. And they've mentioned a few times, Granddad has mentioned a few times that guy from Friday, meaning himself. Uh, <laughs> so I just, I love those little Easter eggs that pop out like that. Yeah. Absolutely cool. Um, so if you at home have never watched Friday, what the hell is wrong with you? But also the scene, Granddad's basically like, I had a gun, but I didn't need it. I used my fists. But that, what he did was pick up a brick and hit, hit Demo. <laughs> yeah, and it was the conversation he was having with um, Ice Cube about it. Mm-hmm. You know, when he, you know, when, uh, yeah, once again, if you don't know what we're talking about, go too watch, bad. Go watch Friday. Go Major, yeah. turn off this podcast right now and go watch Friday. <laughs> right now, you can find it on anything and get your life together. Okay, just no. about. <laughs> also, told Granddad told that story too, which this was some real shit with like my mom and aunties and uncles and shit. They would do stuff like this. I know other people out there have to relate, where they would like, not like like oh. Uh, Sarah still has my Tupperware and they would do this weird shit. My family members of like, so-and-so has my this and that. And in granddad's situation, he buys the tickets to mm-hmm. Hawaii to break into the man's house to get his $5 CD back. That I mean, did extra like. much, extra much to get that little revenge or teach a lesson. Like you simply could have went and bought another album. Right. You just but it's simply. the principle of, oh, you took my, yeah. it is so bizarre. I know I can't be the only one. Who has oh no, girl! Members. Absolutely, no, no, no. absolutely. I heard my mom go through that, you know, and I was like, "That she let her keep that ugly sweater, mom." Like, don't even worry about that, <laughs> you know. But yeah, and that's you know, and all his wisdom, all his wisdom. <laughs> but Grandpa did what black parents did, though, in that situation. You didn't just cower. You better go back. Oh, you better go back and mm-hmm. get that shit. Don't let it be something that your parents actually bought. Play for. <laughs> Like you look, if you don't want to get your butt whooped by me, you better go and get that back and don't get your butt whooped getting it back because then that's a problem as well. So that's what granddad was pretty much doing. Like he, that it's, you know, that's why, why do, okay. So we're all adults here. You know, I know, um, I feel like the idea of if my kid came home and said, a bully beat me up and took my stuff. What would make me think that me sending my kid back to the bully was going to result in anything other than a repeat of what happened before? Like, what? Why? Do it again, and the next day the bully will do it again. The next day the bully will do it again, and he'll just keep doing it. If you don't teach, for me, I got two sons, and if they ever, my, I mean, there was a kid trying to bully our oldest kid, and I literally told him, I was like, you can't let it keep going because he'll just keep continuing unless you stand up to him. He'll just keep continuing, keep continuing, keep continuing. Even in this episode, when uh, after Riley stands up to him, even though he lost the fight, dude gets the, the chain checked out and turned up to be fake, and he gives him the chain back, but he stops messing with Riley about it anymore. 
it's just a matter of you have to stand up to a bully. If from a, a male point of view, you have to stand up to a bully or else they'll continue to keep bullying you. And that's definitely what my mom would always say. And, it, and this is what my, this is what my mom would say, because we're not punks. And you're not going to allow anybody to think that you are. And if you don't learn this now, you're going to, if you don't do this now, you're going to always just be somebody that people can walk over in life. Um, I just, I, I, it's definitely something that's in, you know, deeply engraved in us because we've always had to fight. And so I understand. I, I, think I just for, don't understand setting them back in. No, like if, if my kid was littler, smaller than the kid that beat him up, I would want my kid to go in with backup. I wouldn't send them alone was what I was basically saying. Like, why are oh, you just that, saying, yeah. go back and get it? Why, why are you not? Do, you're the fucking adult. Why aren't you doing something about a bully in the neighborhood? But again, I'm, I'm a you know, teacher mom, so I go to it from, if you don't tell me what's fucking happening, there's nothing I can fucking do about it. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm different than grandpa, <laughs> you know. 1,000%. And that, yeah, and that's where as a parent, like, I know for me and like what hubby was saying, we have boys. So it's, it's about teaching you how to stand up for yourself and not backing down from adversity. But if it was somebody that was harming my child and it was getting to that level, oh, no me and your mom need to have a talk. Like it needs to be, you know, taken to another level. But I don't think there are sometimes that goes, you know, that, that's where the ball's dropped. And then that goes back to, you know, a, a, a fail in parenting. Because like you said, somebody has to know, you know, that there's something that's going on with your child, especially when they're getting to that level. And that example you just, you know, that you use because the, girls are mean, mm-hmm. but good Lord, you get to the point of killing mm-hmm. somebody. Like that's just, that's ridiculous. So, well, and um, yeah. a big part of the problem, in my opinion, <laughs> is is the parents and having people who it's like going back to uh, how do I say this? I don't think I can come up with a great way <laughs> of using it, but it's like <laughs> it's it's a lot of parents that are like our age who were brought up. Mm-hmm, with parents mm-hmm. who would beat the crap out of you for doing something stupid. And, you know, so we've turned into these, we need to be hands off. You need to learn how to do this for yourself. Or we turn into like me, who's like, let's talk this through and figure some stuff out. And, you know, the the kids who are bullying, if they don't have adults that are actually like paying attention and getting involved in their kid's life, that kid is not going to stop bullying if somebody stands up to them. That kid's just going to yeah. keep doing it. And like, yeah, because they're hurt. Hurt people hurt, and of course, yeah. you know, so it's it's a happy medium as a parent. You have to, yeah. can't you can't you know do everything for them and can't tell them about life lessons and things that happen that teach you you know that that gives you virtue and makes you a better person and a stronger person later in life. But you also can't um, just be so completely checked out that you're like, they got this. Yeah, yeah, I, I got them to walking. They got it from <laughs> here on out. You know, so yeah. Most definitely, but it's uh, but if you go back to grandpa's generation, that that would mm-hmm. never that conversation wouldn't happen. It would have stopped right at you sent him back to handle yep. that, right? You know, so exactly. Yeah. Um, and I don't have kids, but I do want to chime in on this conversation to say, like, as oh, sorry, I'm just saying, like, there's a reason why. Oh my bad. You guys are both talking. Say, but he doesn't have his headphones on, so he didn't know. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Well, listen, I'm just saying, like, 
I grew up in a weird situation where there was someone in my life mentally ill, a family member who was very verbally abusive with me. And a few times shit got physical. And my mom kept this person away from me as much as she could. But like the whole situation was out of her hands. But what she always did was pull me aside and talk to me about this shit that's going on. And why? And when this person would tell me things as like a 14-year-old, 15-year-old kid, like, you're a slut. You're a hoe. You know, I know you're fucking this person, that person. I'm a 14-year-old oh kid. Like, what she would say to me is like, are you doing these things though? You know, like, what she would do is mentally work through the issue with me to get me in a state where I could be unaffected by this bullshit. Mm-hmm. And like, as a Black person, not even just as a boy or girl or whatever, as a Black person, you are automatically in society in a not victim place but you are a weaker a second-class citizen just look Mm -hmm. at what we were talking Mm -hmm. about at the beginning of this episode the law is often not going to be on your side Um, public opinion is often not going to be on your side you have to learn how to navigate these waters and defend yourself which is why in a lot of situations even with this person at a point yes my mom would not let this person physically touch me And she used to, when I was younger, step in and stand up to it. But as I got older, she just kind of let me handle myself, ignore it, speak up to it, do whatever I wanted to do to handle it. And let me tell you, I've talked about a bit on this podcast, the shit I have just gone through in my career, where my bosses are trying to spread word that I'm a sex worker. Um, I'm I'm this and I'm that. But all, like, the shit I do, oh, yes, girl. And this is all documented. I have screenshots, everything. I could take these people to court. I didn't go there. I don't need to. I'm good. I'm I'm established now in my career. But I could. And if, you know, depending on what I find out, as little bits of information are now sprinkling back to me, who knows? Because depending on what I hear, I could. But what she basically taught me set me up for this so that, when these people mm-hmm. are trying to play checkers with me, I'm now playing chess with you mm-hmm. because I have gone through a lifetime as a black person of just dealing with this. And this is just one latest job. This shit happens in almost every aspect of a black person's life. And even if you're not black and you're listening to this and you're gay or you're transgender, like people will just try and do all kinds of little shit to come at you. That's another thing my mom taught me. People who lack power will try and get it wherever they can. So if they uh-huh. think there's something about you that they can victimize, they will do it. And you have to stand up. You have to learn to stand on your own. That may mean taking a couple ass whoopings. That may mean shutting the fuck up and letting you talk to me crazy in an office setting so I can Mm -hmm. just, you know, get screenshots and shit on the end so I can best you in court. You have to, she always said to me, you have to play by their rules until you can break them and you can take them how you want, break their rules or break them as people. Like that is what it is. You just have to learn to do it on your own. That is, that's actually perfectly said. And I think every black parent will be like, that's it right there, what she said. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, that you are, you definitely, everything that, as I tell my kids all the time, it's not my job to tell you what you're doing wrong. It's my job to make sure that everything that may be viewed as a mistake is actually a lesson learned. And you use that to move forward. And I said, my job as a parent is to provide you with those you know, that foundation, and then you build upon that so that you can be the best person that you can be. And so, and that's exactly what, you know, what it is. As much as it hurt my heart when that kid was messing with my son, because my son's very quiet, but that boy messed with my son so much, my son turned around and whooped his entire little ass (laughs) and whooped his ass. And after that, nobody messed with me. 
because the kids were saying, you know, why do you read? You're, oh, you're a nerd. Oh, you have both parents. Oh, uh, you know, and shit like that. Um, when did having both that, parents become the thing to be bullied over? Like my parents yeah. refused to divorce until I graduated from high school because they were afraid of me being from a broken home when really they should have divorced about 10 years before that. Oh, snaps to that. <laughs> I remember my, I told my mom when I was in fifth grade, you don't have to do this. We're good. You know, and they stayed together until I graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, same. Yeah, it's that good. He, yeah, he was, he was teased for that, you know, basically because he's different, That's you know? Weird. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. So, but any Hooters, <laughs> very well said. Dylan. Very well said. That's <laughs> <laughs> my truly creeping back. It's creeping back, guys. Uh, da, 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 where were we? Um, okay. So Riley showed back up at the park to take back his necklace because granddad told him, go back and take it back from him. Called him bitch Magnus, which I actually thought was pretty clever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Because you're a bitch. Because you're a bitch. And, you know, Riley loses. Um, it is really interesting uh, watching this. Because I'm, I'm wondering if Riley is, like, supposed to be a little small for his age. Uh, because, and <laughs> I had to look it up because, of course, I did. Um, because Butch, at 12, is bigger than what a average 12-year-old would, would be. I wonder if Riley is smaller than an average 8-, 9-year-old would be um, because it appeared that Butch was, like, two feet taller than him and, like, five times the size, mm-hmm. right? But then later, when Riley describes him to uh, to Ed Wensler III, uh, you know, he describes him as 5'3 and 130 pounds, which... I'm I'm five five. <laughs> Hundred and thirty pounds is like half of me. <laughs> so that would not have been that big of a child <laughs> without it being a much like like Riley grossly underestimating how big this kid was, or is everything just extra big in comparison to how small Riley is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Oh, I mean, easily, but I, you know, he was taking it. He was taking he it. And he was coming yeah. back, and you know, um, and he was hitting as hard as he could and kicking, and but his little skinny arms and legs were no match. <laughs> yeah, he was not like dude wasn't even breathing hard when that was over. Like he was just flicking him away. It was just nothing. But yep. he showed heart, which is awesome. Um, once again, an episode that allows you to get into a different side of the character, and you really see that you know. Riley has a really passionate, mm-hmm. you know, heart and uh, stands for his. You know, he talks a lot of shit. He may call you a bitch. You may say it like that, but he he can stand up for himself. You know, he he uh, he's willing to stand up for himself. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's made me love him even more. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> only so far. <laughs> Riley <laughs> Riley is definitely a kid who would end up in my class, who I would love very much, but would probably give me an ulcer. Because they want to be the bad kid. They want that reputation of being the bad kid. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, part of it is, is it's admirable to watch him stand up to that bully. Absolutely. But part of it is, boy, don't you have more brains than that? You got to get back to him in a different way. You're not going to be able to take him down physically. Like, <laughs> that would, that mm-hmm, would also yeah. kind of be another thing that I would tell my kids. I wouldn't do this at school in any way, shape, or form. But with my kids, it would be like do something better than them and show them. 
<laughs> you know, um, you're in elementary school and someone's being an asshole. Okay, do the thing that they like better than they can do. But. I, that's what I told my son before, you know, he had to just finally whoop that kid's ass. But I told him, I said, use your wit. Mm -hmm. That is the, like, that will get him. I said, that's going to piss him off if you're coming back, you know, and he's super sarcastic like his parents. So I'm like, boy, use that. That is going to be your thing. You know, a, a slick, witty uh, tongue is, it, it can slice and it can mm -hmm. do a whole lot more than, you know, what it can be physically, but don't get it twisted. Sometimes you do have to let people know, you know, this is, I, I can't stand up for myself if necessary. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, back in their room, um, Huey tells Riley he got the hate he was looking for. Uh, Riley doesn't want to hear it. He wants Huey to help him, but Huey tells him to let it go because it's only worth what he's willing to give up for it. Riley, let the chain go. Thugnificent wants it back. He can handle it. Didn't he'll think I'm a punk and kick me out the crew? It's just rocks and metal. It's only worth what you're willing to give up for it. Is it worth getting hurt again? Yeah. Going to jail? Yep. Getting killed? Yes, sir. Kissing a man? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Whoa. Kissing a man? I mean, if it feels natural and that's what you're into, I mean. No, that don't count. That's a do-over. I didn't know you was going to say that. Guess you really want that chain back. No. The answer is no. <laughs> So, that's such a big brother, little brother conversation mm -hmm. right there. That's, yeah. It's so <laughs> perfect that, like, Riley as a, as a character, as a, you know, is so filled with toxic masculinity that the, even the, like, idea of anything that is not masculine happening to him or someone around him is gay. Mm. Why? I I'm I'm really curious. I grew up like my dad. <laughs> rest his soul. Uh, my dad was homophobic. My dad was really really um, afraid. <laughs> you know how conservatives now are are afraid that people want to be transgender so they can break into women's restrooms and all of that bullshit, right? Um, my dad actually thought that my gay best friend at thirteen wanted to stay at the sleepover because we we're all a bunch of girls and. They were not. And like basically when when they got stuck here, like they they were allowed to stay, but they had to stay in the room by themselves with the door locked that was next to my dad's room while we were all in the other room. Like it was fucking ridiculous. And to this day, this human is still my friend and is absolutely not into women. And there is nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but like, you know, I I also grew up with my dad's best friend being a closeted gay man who was out to me, but not my father. And mm. so I grew up seeing being homophobic as this, this really negative thing because I could see that there was this wall between my dad and his best friend that they just couldn't get past because Pete could never come out and tell my dad that he was gay. And so like, I'm, I'm both curious of like, is Riley, is it all just because of that toxic masculinity that they, he thinks he has to be, so overly macho to who's not to appear to be gay. And also, why is that a trope in the black community of, you know, being gay is such a terrible thing? Uh, questions, I'm I, sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, it's definitely a ongoing conversation, but I, I, it, it has to do with, once again, just needing for, especially for black men, like you're not going to take away 
um, my masculinity, which is probably one of the only things that black men really feel like they can own because everything else they try to, you know, take away from them. Or, you know, it's so deeply rooted once again in trauma that is long lasting. Um, so I, I, I'm not a man, I can't speak, right. but I would imagine that that is something, you know, that that's part of it. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I would, I would think so. And I, I get it and I, you know, I understand, but, um, it's also a contradiction because like I've said before, you go to a black church and you know that the choir director is definitely gay. You know that your cousin is definitely gay. You know what I'm saying? And when it's family or something like that, it's just, it is what it is. And they go about their business. So I think overall though, most men are, um, they're kind of like, do you do you just don't come on to me. You know what I'm saying? I think that's really, I think that's how most men kind of are like, do you, I'm just, that's not me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I think more often than not now, there are definitely more bland men and black men who are just trying to be, you know, um, everything copacetic, you know what I'm saying? Regardless of what maybe their own personal thoughts are trying to just go ahead and. I think a lot of that has changed. And like when, when this episode was made, I think it was much more um, mainstream to be actively anti-gay without it being seen as like a really super negative thing. Like it was just starting to kind of change in the culture where like using gay as an insult was a big thing that was starting to get like traction of people going, maybe we shouldn't do that, you know? <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Um, like, I wonder because, because of the way that my brain works, I tend to not, um, I tend to not internalize a lot of things like language and conversations. Like um, I have friends who will come back to me after listening to the podcast and want to talk to me about it. I'm like, I have no idea what I said. I haven't listened to it again. I, I don't, I just spoke it. I didn't listen. I don't know. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. So it's kind of that same way with like, when I think about 20, 15, 15 years ago, how old was I? Okay. So 15 years ago, I was going to gay clubs a lot. I was, I had a lot of queer friends, still do most of them. Um, And, you know, I was definitely in a different culture that celebrated uh, queerness and embraced it. And so I have no idea because I, I actively rejected my dad's homophobia growing up. I have no idea what that kind of feeling would be like. Me, I'm like, oh, there's plenty of masculine men who are gay. I've met several and they absolutely would not, you know, make you think that they were gay by the way that they act or talk mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But somehow, somewhere along the line, the idea of a man being with another man is seen as this terrible thing, even though a woman being with another woman was never seen as bad. Although usually that was because they didn't want to think of them in a long-term relationship. Um, yeah, look, I mean, look back at media. We were talking about this the other day too. look back at media and how they always portrayed gay men. They were always mm-hmm. very flamboyant, very this, that. I mean, we were talking about, um, so this, if it's already hard enough being black, oh yeah, then it'd be even harder being black and gay. So it's not necessarily, uh, in, in my opinion, because, uh, it's not necessarily always a homophobic thing or a toxic masculinity thing. It's a more of I'm trying to, or they're trying to protect something because you're already going to have it tough as it is. If you add this one more 
thing that someone can teach you about bullying for something like that is going to be even harder than knowing that it's already like that. Mm-hmm. Um, as parents, you want to try to um, make their path easier, not not harder, or or try to avoid them going down the harder path. And it's a, and it, yeah, because you hear so many parents say that, like, why we we don't want your life to be harder. Same thing of when you have a son or daughter or whatever that ends up in an interracial relationship. The parents, like, that's the first thing that they go to is your life's going to, why are you making it harder and for you and your future children? You know, and that's a fear thing. That's, that's why, you know, that objection is definitely a fear thing. But like you just said, that, that's why so many choose to, so when the down low came out, mm-hmm. that the, the person that brought it out took so much backlash because it was like, you are taking away what people were doing and a lifestyle they were choosing to live because they were afraid for their lives. Because if they are out, they could, you know, they're, they're going to be killed, especially like in the South. So I know that like when that came out, people were like, wait, not only are you outing people, but you're, you are, you are uh, discounting the real reason why people choose to be in that lifestyle. Not saying it was right because there was a lot of men that broke up families and hurt women and did things like that as a result. But, if you are afraid of not only just being black, but then being gay, you know, once again, hurt people, hurt people. So that's, you mm-hmm. know, that's a, a result of it. But yeah. 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 And we can keep it moving too. Cause I don't want to open this box, but I feel like <laughs> we're all letting the church off the hook here. Um, oh, well, one thousand. Yeah. yeah. Of the church is the, the biggest culprit in this situation. But, um, yeah, the first, like when I talk about my godfather, my, my godfather was Mexican and Catholic. So like, no. yeah, like yeah. he, when my memories of him, he was married and they had adopted children and, you know, up until the point when he came out to me and was like, I'm leaving my wife because I'm gay and I'm finally okay with it. Like I was 16. So he would have been in his forties when he came out of the closet. So, and married for 20 something years not and not in any way trying to like hurt the woman that he was married to like he mm-hmm, loved her mm-hmm, mm-hmm, he just mm-hmm. wasn't in love with her and was not in any like i i honestly kind of wonder if my aunt knew they they I didn't see women yeah. know i think i think most of them do yeah you know um and this but once it was again, really like an amicable said, split, so. split, so. <laughs> yeah. like super easy split when they broke up like it was just like okay we're getting a divorce okay we're still friends oh oh yeah hmm. Hmm. yeah that was easy, but yeah, no, Lindsay, you're absolutely right, and um, it, th- th- that plays into the uh, you know how women are treated. Um, it that plays into uh, you and I were talking about Derek Jackson. You haven't been caught up on it yet, but the fact that the way that he treated his wife and the fact that his wife is so indoctrinated because of their you know their religion, mm-hmm. which I think part of that is a is a facade because she knew that that dude was a dog and that he's treating her like you know, a second-class citizen. But that's also a dynamic that is created within the church. So another kind of dynamic that, you know, that that is, it, yeah, they don't talk about it, but we all know that it's there. It's very apparent. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, great point. Absolutely. Like, I hadn't really thought about that too much, but I also know that at least at the time that I knew that part of my family um, that Southern Baptist part of my family uh, totally makes uh, sense thinking about that now. I hadn't really thought about that. I was never that kind yeah. of a church person. Um, 
so right after that conversation, that's when Granddad is talking, or Riley's talking to Granddad again, and you find out the story about the record and him buying a plane ticket for his this his frenemy so that he can get into his house and steal his record back, his Al Green record. Um, because, you know, if you can't get back to them, get you know, like back at them, you better get back at them. So granddad's like, I'm going to spend all of this money just to get my, my Chibo record back that I could have gotten another one, but it's the point. <laughs> like, and wasn't it Al Green in like Japan or something? Something like, like that. In Tokyo. Yeah. Like, so random. Like, why? Like maybe Is that a, a collector's item? It might have been. Maybe. Maybe that was part of why. I was going to say, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. That was just Grandpa being petty. He wanted to be uh-huh. like, it was mine. Yep. You know? But yeah. Uh, yeah. Al Green doesn't even, if he really performed a record or, you know, recorded a record there, Al Green doesn't even remember. He oh, doesn't. yeah, no. It was a real record. So, it was a real record. It, yeah. it was a real record. Yeah, I looked it oh, up. Okay. It was recorded in 1978 over two nights and then released in 1981. Hey, maybe that's why it was fire. Hey, there you go. Yeah. I still think Grandpa was being petty. Though. Oh yeah. So <laughs> oh yeah, Grand, Grand, Granddad was petty as fuck. Um, so then uh, Riley goes to his friend Ed Ed Winsler the Third to get him help, um, which he does. But he kidnaps the wrong kid uh, and is torturing this kid, trying to find out where the where the chain is. But the kid kid doesn't know and. I <laughs> like the, the the putting the two grapes down and hitting them with a sledgehammer. <laughs> like that that's the one that made me laugh for like ten minutes. It's terrible. And he just didn't get out of like that character. Like even after right. he like took him down, he still was fucking with the kid. I was like, it's a kid. That's why he's a kid. Right. That's why. I said sorry. Like, he's right fucking now. traumatized. Yeah. Yeah. Out of yeah. my bed, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that, you know, he's gotten, he gets away with everything by just saying sorry because of who his granddad is. So uh, he's probably like, what, you don't know who my grandfather is? I said I was sorry. Isn't that enough? Oh, I'm going to fuck you up. It's not enough. What? Like, like come on. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He, well, we know he's a little special anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so right around that same time, Thugnificent is watching TV and sees a report come across uh, the TRL with the um, Sway as the the host that night, um, talking about uh, interviewing Butch, talking about stealing the uh, the chain from one of Thugnificent's crew, um, and then Riley is in this next clip talking to Thugnificent. I'm sorry, guys. I did everything I could to get it back. Why don't you tell us as soon as it got took? I didn't want y'all to think I couldn't handle my own business like a mean. Riley, that's the whole point of belonging to a crew, nigga. So you ain't never got to worry about handling shit like a man. Yeah, man. We don't fight fair, nigga. We believe in overwhelming force. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that because really that is absolutely their, their MO. Like, um... Nobody do anything unless we're all doing it. Like uh, nobody's happy with this unless we're all happy, or unless you know he's happy. Um, but they send one. He sends one friend to go and help Riley. Um, and I like how is that an overwhelming force? <laughs> um, sending one adult with this, you know, with this small little kid when you're going against a kid who has a documented history of violence and is not afraid to lash out at adults as well. Um, Riley thinks 
that his crew, they're really good role models. Like, he, and he tells them that. He's like, you guys are really good role models. Like, um, and then they find Butch in the park. Uh, Flo Nominal, that's what it is. Uh, Flo Nominal calls out. Butch comes up and hits him in the leg with a baseball bat, breaking his leg. Then Butch throws the chain down at him, saying that his dad had it appraised and found out it wasn't worth anything. Um, mm-hmm. And that's right there. Throw, like, his dad had it appraised. So his dad knew that he had stolen this thing, probably mm-hmm. beaten up a kid mm-hmm. to get it. Like, this is not news to this dad. That's what I'm talking about. Like, when you have a parent that doesn't give a shit, that kid, there's no talking to that kid. Standing up that kid isn't going to do it. That kid has got to have some serious help to get out of that. Or he, that's yeah. just who he's going to be for the rest of his life. Well, and their behavior is obviously as a result of you know, reaching out and wanting mm-hmm. to, you know, to get that attention. And that, you know, that's the way that he probably gets his attention of Biff. Yep. Yep. Um, that's I'm exactly. calling that. <laughs> that's yeah. like every time I think, and, you know, I know that I come at it from a different point of view because of the kids that I work with tend to be bullies a lot. Um, so a lot of the time we're working on the things that have made them so sad or so angry that they feel like they have to lash out at people. And like when kids don't get that, they don't understand the reason why, why are you beating up that kid? You don't even know that kid. Well, they were there. Okay. So what were you feeling when you decided you had to hit that kid? Well, I was angry. Okay. Why were you angry? Well, because so-and-so said this. So this person said this and you went over and hit this kid. Well, this kid wasn't there anymore when I was angry. Okay. Like literally those, how, those are how my conversations go. Like yeah. a lot of them are like, I don't know why I did it. Okay. Let's sit down and talk for the next 40 minutes and figure out what was the actual reason why you decided to go and shove somebody off the playground. You know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. so, but that's yeah. elementary, you know, that's when a lot of times there's something else causing that action. By the time they get to like middle school and high school, the intervention that they need is not just talk. And that's what most schools do is just talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, conflict resolution. And, Which is fine, but like, you can't do that without practice, without actually like having to use yeah. your skills regularly. And they don't, and they don't do that, which is, that's what I do. I make them use those skills over and over and over again until it becomes that second nature to, I got angry. I'm going to stop, walk away, t- take a breath, blah, 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 blah. Like you can't just, okay, let's, let's talk for, you know, Oh well, yeah. yeah. And once again, that, you know, that's, they cut those positions down. Yeah. Like I yeah, don't think they've done that in have counselors anymore. So that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, Real you can't get a senior, put them through yep. some training. Exactly. And then your, your conflict resolution, that's exactly yeah. how it was my school, you know, and that's not good when you're asking another peer to help other peers figure their shit out. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. I worked at a school that did peer mediation, which was great for like just normal playground scuffles and stuff. But like when it would be accusations of bullying and that sort of thing, it it, it you can't have like an eighth grader helping a sixth grader through <laughs> there's something like that. Like that, there yeah. has to be adults because we are adults. That's that that is what we are for. We are every adult is a teacher to a kid. Kids will see you. They will yeah. do what you do. Like repeat what you say. Um, try to dress the way you dress. Like if they respect you, they are going to be like you. And if you are a guy like who I'm, ex- I'm imagining Butch's dad to be, makes sense who Butch turned out to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, Riley is kind of desperately looking for that role model because he doesn't have parents. So, and he doesn't think Granddad is a good role model. So he's 
looking externally for that thing that he should be getting from a parent figure. Mm-hmm. And not, so yeah. 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 I totally but, uh, some, hopefully somebody <laughs> will whoop, turn around and, you know, maybe not whoop his butt, give him a taste of his own medicine. Right. Right. And, you know, I, I don't advocate, advocate for violence against children, but some kids need to learn that their actions have physical consequences as well. Like that, if you're going to talk shit to somebody, they might punch you in the mm-hmm. face. I'm not going to mm-hmm. stop that, but I'm going to help you work yep. through the aftermath. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you dish it, you got to take it somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah. I do just want to comment quickly, though, about two things about the scene, which is like, I feel like this was the double exposure of how fake this chain mm-hmm. is. It's not the, just that the kid had it appraised and it had no value. It's also like we didn't talk about it, but earlier Huey re- addresses like a chain aunt cookie gave mm-hmm. Riley. Now it's real and it's thin and it's from someone who loves him, right? Like your real crew, quote unquote. And he's like, nah, dude, that's a necklace, not mm-hmm. a chain. And here in this scene, after he gets the chain back, right, and the other guy's laying on the ground with his leg broken, Riley is not helping this guy out. Right. He walks off into the sunset with his fucking chain, showing you again how fake this crew life is, this fake ass shit is. And Flo but, is on the ground being like, Riley, don't walk away from me, man. We're, we're brothers. We're crew. I'm hurt. You need to help me. And Riley's just like, I got my chain. Yep. yep. And gone. Yep. It was just that simple. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's all he cared about. He didn't care that, you know, he got somebody hurt. <laughs> no. But also, <laughs> like what I said before, why'd you send one person to deal with that kid? <laughs> that was not a one person kid. And he's not, and you, he couldn't handle anything. So, hey, yeah. that helps the situation. Because, you know. Yeah. <laughs> broke my leg but yeah so yeah, that was the end of the episode so is there anything uh, that we missed in there I no? don't believe so alright then I think yeah. it's time welcome to stupid white people questions you mean I'm gonna stay this color <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, I reached out to Black TikTok uh, actually just a couple days ago now. Uh, and I, I think I've shared the video with you. Um, and I got a really strong reaction. I'm try- trying to find people's questions that they've gotten from white people. Uh, and I- I'm going to be using those. <laughs> I got one. Uh, we have, a, we have a mutual podcast friend, uh, conversations with glow, uh, who is on TikTok, And also, uh, we follow each other on Twitter. Uh, so she had a question that she got that I'm, uh, that I'm sure lots of, uh, black people have been asked because, you know, and I'm guessing it's probably because, Republicans are the party of Lincoln and they did the most for black people. Exactly. And so, and because of that, why didn't you vote for Trump? (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) I think I've made why, why I didn't vote for Trump pretty clear a few times on the show. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that Republican thing has been shown to be a myth time and time again. Mm -hmm. The party switched like platforms around like what the late 1800s or whatever. So just don't even go there with that historic bullshit because that's not the truth. And two, 
I feel like I know we talked about this a long time ago in one of these white people questions where we were saying, like, it's not our job to educate you. This is a question where it's not my job to fucking educate you. Google Donald Trump. Google anything about Donald Trump and his history and you figure that shit out. Don't bug me with it. Okay. Seriously, like I my my nephews live with their uh, paternal grandparent or grandmother right now um, in a very staunchly uh, pro-Trump, pro-QAnon area of the state. And sometimes they tell me some of the stuff that, sometimes my nephews tell me some of the stuff that their grandmother and her, her other people will talk about. And like, I genuinely get why some Republicans don't understand why Black people don't like Trump because what they know of Trump and Black people is like the rappers that would, you know, stand up there and be like, this guy's a great guy. Yeah. Or, you know, the, um, what's this bucket that died? Uh... <sighs> no, Black guy. Herman Cain. Thank you. Oh. Like people mm. like Herman Cain are seen as, you know, good Black people because they're, you know, conservative. And, you know, I saw something the other day where someone was like, Colin Powell should have been our first black president. And I'm like, oh, there's so much to unpack there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just because a handful of black people are successful under the things that, you know, the, the ruling class have done does not mean that the ruling class has done anything for black people as a whole. It means that they have done things for certain individual ones that are deemed worthy. Um, And I'm definitely not one of those people deemed worthy in their eyes. So. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not, and I don't, and it's not on purpose that they do that. It just happens that those individuals fall into maybe a different tax bracket. Mm -hmm. So it benefits them, or maybe it's because of their education and they're in a different career that, you know what I'm saying? So it, it, it it depends. Now my answer, he's an ass. That's why I was not voting for him, but we've said it before. With him being president, as much as, I mean, I hope this never gets back to him because he will use this probably for like ever, um, somebody giving him props. But financially, we did better and we've done better when Republicans are in Austin. So I think that might have to do more with where you live because it's devastating in Seattle. Oh, yeah. But I, but I'm saying it's to each his own. Like it's, it's like I said, it depends. minimum wage and things like that. It just having two incomes it just moves you to a different place where it, it just benefits us when they're in office. I mean uh, yeah. Because Sacramento's not a, a um it's a it's a high tax bracket. It, so it has a high city t- uh high sales state tax and all that kind of tax. So we're still paying high taxes here, but it's just because of the uh a double income, which is what most people don't always have is two income households. Mm-hmm. Which is why they don't see the benefits. So like I was just saying, it depends on what your financial situation is. What it, It's something that aligns you to receiving a benefit from them in a trickle-down effect. That's, you know, so that that's what happens. And that's why some people will vote, you know, Republican or why some people and Black people look it up on YouTube. There are so many uh, conversations that vice 
you know, had or they, you know, put a group of black people together, those that did not vote and those that did. And the ones that did, very, very similar. They were entrepreneurs or, you know, they had a, they were either lawyers or doctors or, you know what I'm saying? So it was something that uh, because of their lifestyle that they benefited from Trump being in office. So there are some yeah. that did. Yeah. For me, it, I, 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 for me, I just couldn't do it morally because of the type of person I think he is. Um, what you're saying, but I can't see. Yeah. What you're saying is I absolutely, uh, like Republicans are the party of capitalism. So if you are interested in your own personal growth and gains and your family's personal growth and gains, Republicans might be a better choice for you. If you are interested in taking care of society as a whole and making sure that people don't die because they can't access healthcare or food or clean water or housing of any kind, then you're probably not better off voting for a Republican. And, yeah, I, and I'm I definitely the, the latter. Oh, I don't like think there has, I don't think Democrats are doing a great job. A, They're shit. No, in nobody is. Nobody, nobody is. is. Yeah. But yeah. I am more likely to vote for a Democrat any day of the week, just based on the fact that for me personally, my personal views are about my community and not about my, like I'm. I might make more money. Uh, well, actually, I wouldn't in my job make more money under a Republican because they always want to cut funding to education and especially special education. Um, whereas under a Democrat, I might actually have, you know, there might be enough money in the budget for my school not to cut teachers next year. The Republican, they definitely won't. <laughs> so, so it's, it's kind of that, you know, um, as a, as a pretty devout socialist, uh, I would be really hard pressed these days to ever vote for somebody that supports a Republican, uh, party as a whole, because they do not work for the people that I care about. Um, it's hard enough voting for a Democrat because they don't care about the people I care about. So. Yeah, and that can definitely change. And mm-hmm. that's, that, that's what needs to happen. But because I vote for somebody that, you know, their beliefs may be more Republican, definitely doesn't make somebody um, you know, more uh, capitalist, um, makes them more selfish or makes them like care about, you know, care about people less as a whole mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily always the case but you have to remember people are going to go with um they can only go with what works best for them and if what works best for them and and being able to provide a better life for their children then that overall is going to be them caring about everybody as a whole because if i'm helping to provide a better life for my child and then making a better person as an adult who's going to be an integral part of society, that is something that is beneficial to everybody as a whole. You know, so maybe initially it may not seem that, you know, somebody's doing something, um, you know, that, that is not without selfishness, but just, I, I just said that just because somebody chooses to vote one way doesn't necessarily make them, you know, this person doesn't make them, you know, somebody that doesn't care about anybody else or, makes them cold hearted or money hungry or anything. And that's where we get this big dissension between the two parties. And that's, that's not cool. Politics should never be. I remember my mom always saying, these are things that you don't talk about religion, money, and politics. Okay. But why not? If I'm an adult and I'm having a conversation with another adult who has an opinion, their opinion is just as valid as mine. Let's have a conversation about it so that it doesn't become what it is today. So I feel like that mentality from like our generation before us, it's definitely 
played into the breakdown of, you know, uh, of people saying I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat or, you know, and being proud to say that. Now you say it and it's like, are, you're an iPhone or Android person. Nope. You know, say like that's, that's about as much, you know, people are like, oh God, I can't stand you. You're an Android. iPhone's best. So that's kind of where it's become. It's like a, you remember the Buds and Cords commercials from like the 80s? Mm-hmm. You know, where it'd be like, no, uh, better tasting, less, you know, whatever, taste, whatever that's Less filling. Was. Yeah, I remember that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what it's, that's what it's turned into. And like, that's what I feel like, you know, being able to decipher whether you're a Republican or you're a Democrat and I mean, why you're that. It's kind of that. I, that kind of, right? I would that's agree with you based on the fact that modern day Democrats are carrying on a platform that was a Republican platform 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, and before that, but yeah. but we don't confusion. have we don't have anybody who is actually um, working toward the betterment of society in politics. Not really. All no, they're doing all is working for the ben- benefit of people with money. And that's the problem. Um, and look at the Congress and the House. Like they're they're like a bunch of preschoolers. Mm-hmm who have to decide who gets to take home the class turtle for the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's, so yeah, it, it's a problem all the way around, but if people really want to know that question and it's with, you know, want that question answered with curiosity of wanting to understand black people and their political views, it can't come from a place of, well, he was so good. You know what I'm saying? Like it has to come from a place of really you wanting to understand Mm-hmm. why, you know, the black and brown community feels a certain way. But then again, look at the voter shit that's happening now. Why do you, you know, because Republicans know that the Republicans know that more scary. black people vote, less Republicans are going to get voted into office because it is a, a, against um as it is against our community need, the benefit for the community to vote Republican. It is more beneficial to the community to historically looking at Republicans across the board, across the country. The, mm-hmm. the age of the average Republican is not my generation. The age of the average Democrat is not my generation. And it, I honestly, I don't really see much of a difference between Democrats and Republicans other than two specific things. Abortion and money. And when it comes to money, Democrats are terrible because they want to help big business and not so much the real like people. They say middle class, but there's no such fucking thing as middle class anymore. At all. Um, Republicans are like, oh, you don't have a million dollars. I don't need to talk to you. Period. We know it's all fucked up. We know that neither side is doing anything Mm -hmm. to help this country or we wouldn't be where we are right now. Yep, exactly. You know, so. And part of that is the not talking politics at the table. Too many people have not talked politics for so long, not talked religion, not talked money, not talked about the things Mm -hmm. that actually do matter in individual person's lives. Like, no, I'm not going to be your friend probably if I find out that you're a Scientologist because I firmly do not believe that your religion makes any fucking sense and it makes me question your sanity. I feel the same way if you voted for Trump. We're probably not going to be friends because you have done something that makes me question how much you care about yeah. me. So, yeah. you know, that's basically what it comes down to. Like Multi-layered, yeah. for sure. And I, w- I would say being a Republican versus being a Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can be t- 
two completely different things. And that's why there's been so many new Democrats yeah. lately that so. have been lifelong Republicans that are, are like, nope, I'm a Democrat now because the Democrats are Republicans. Yeah, the link, like the Lincoln Project. Yes. It's yeah. all spawned out of Trump. And I can appreciate fuckery. the Lincoln Project. I don't appreciate the fact that they still. <sighs> it's still not anywhere near good enough. Like Mitt Romney putting in the, 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 um, his uh, version of the, the big plan to save America. And it's like a third of what Biden wants. And Biden's like, the number I gave you is the bottom line. I don't want it to go lower than that. So a third of that ain't going to fucking work, but Biden won't do anything about the filibuster. So we're all still, sitting and waiting for him to convince a few yeah. people that well, you you know, the rest of America yeah, is worthy mansion, of help. Uh, mansion and cinema who's who are bas- basically oh fucking fuck. yeah anyway <laughs> exhausting Ooh. exhausting and what's okay. really exhausting is uh Semina is like this this quirky girl and everyone's like oh she's so quirky and fun and and liberal and I'm like yeah she's what's wrong with white liberalism she thinks it's cool to like say fuck you to the Republicans, but also say mm, thumbs down, all cute when I when I'm voting for $15 an hour for people who are dying. But <laughs> like fucking politics. Oh man, I <sighs> yeah. The purest <laughs> form of exhausting that there is, to, you know, with that. Like I I feel like I could take a nap now. Just oh yeah. Now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it, there's, and the, and the ones who ask that they don't really want to know. Right. They don't really, really want to know. Right. They, they just don't, they want to know. They just think you're stupid and mm-hmm. want you to, want you to explain yourself. And they want to try and catch you in something that yeah. they heard on oh, Fox yeah. news was the truth. And you know, that's, I, I especially find that with, um, uh, relatives of my, my lovely husband. Like they, they want to, you still listen to them. I've cut I them don't, all off. <laughs> I honestly, like I go to your mom's page every once in a while, just to see if maybe, 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 because I did genuinely like your mom. I did genuinely like your mom. I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Until I realized yeah. that I meant I, so little to her. Well, that, well <laughs> and, and not just you. I mean, oh, I Natalie as well. I mean, uh, when she's, but Evan's she, not giving her a consequence. He's still talking about coming and see her yeah, this summer. Like she's going to keep doing I, that shit until know. somebody like I, I, you need to call her and say, we are never going to talk again because I said this and yeah. you keep thinking that something's going to happen out of it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, yeah. <laughs> Evan's an so adult keep, now. He has to make his that decision. Is true, that so, is true. Uh, uh, my kids are grown. Uh, I mean, I, considering <laughs> your ex's influence on him and the fact that she wants you to make up with your mom, we all know that Evan's going to keep talking yeah. to your mom. Yeah. Like pass. that's, yeah. Anyway. Hard pass. Anyway, so that was, <laughs> that was a fun question for a short question. Right, uh, and, right. and we've got lots of, lots more queued up. Right, there's uh, been some good ones on yeah, there. So, and some, some interesting ones. Yeah. Let me, yeah, let me know. Be like, you should, you may want to have a couple of libations. You just give me fair warning. <laughs> well, yeah, that sounds like going to be a lot. Or like on no. the show, we'll like, pause and our patreon people can hear us talking okay okay ready to take a shot okay one two three mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <sighs> okay mm-hmm. ready I like that. okay <laughs> <laughs> maybe we could do a bonus question yeah. for our patreon where we answer their ridiculous questions <laughs> yeah like, maybe i kind of like that idea <laughs> yeah well that, that, yeah that may yeah. be part of our ama thing that we oh, do yeah, yeah. That's fine. so yeah we need to do that all right um so anything else you ladies would like to share today before we move toward the end 
No, no. Just, uh, you know, our, our therapy session and our chit chat and love you guys and hope everybody have a great week. And I'm probably going to try to, you know, rehab, but well, not rehab, but recover mm-hmm. a bit. That's what I'm going to do. So, yeah. <laughs> right, Lindsay, anything? Nope. All right, everybody out there, don't forget we are on Patreon. You've only heard, if you if you are not our Patreon patron, uh, you've only heard part of the lovely conversation that we've been having for nearly three hours today. So go and uh, check it out, and uh, we will see you on our TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you're looking, we're there. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Don't take this the wrong way, but. I need you to get the hell up out of here. Hey, thanks for joining us again as we make our way through the trials and tribulations of the Freeman family. We hope to see you back again next time for Fall In. Want to know where to find us on the social medias or where to subscribe to the podcast? Just head right over to www.theboondockspod.com slash links. Have a stupid white people question you want to leave us? Email us at host at theboondockspod.com or leave us a voicemail at 760-933-8636. That's 760-WE-3. Undo. Shout out to the artists who've created our intro and outro tunes. Our intro is hashtag make a change by K-I-R-K. You can find them on Spotify, iTunes, and Tidal. Our outro is Good Times by Audio Binger. You can find them on freemusicarchive.org and YouTube.